Three, two, one. That's right. You're listening to the It's My Time podcast, a recording of the experiences, past and present of everyday people. Yes, indeed. And, 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 and now, here's your host, the one, the only, Asher Chua. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Patricia. Hello, good to be here. It's been a minute since I've seen you. Uh, 2012, 2013? Yeah, back when I was young, old now. <laughs> We're all getting up there. But um, just to introduce you to the audience, I always like to ask this question. Who do you say you are? Uh, I am Patricia Yin. <laughs> Um, I'm kind of a little bit of a jack of all trades lately, um, but I went to school for civil engineering and I thought I was going to be a structural engineer, but I ended up being a land surveyor and a landscaper. So <laughs> that's, I guess for being able to talk to you, I guess it gives me a good opportunity to introduce people to like the different facets of civil engineering and just like even going to school for engineering, like we did, like I had no clue what an actual civil engineer is like technically but that's what you are now technically mm-hmm. doing like the surveying and the land development part can you talk a little bit more about that like even how you got to this point and maybe like what land surveying is okay so um i thought i was going to be a structural engineer so i went to school for civil engineering with a structures base and then instead i went into transportation for my first job so i did like bridge design bridge construction roadway design traffic operations. And um, I went to grad school for construction management. So then when I left Georgia, uh, DOT, which is where I was working for my first job, I moved to um, California. And over there, I was working for a private firm that had a dual licensed engineer. She did land surveying and engineering. So on that end, I learned how to do like a lot of um, land development stuff, grading plans, excavation plans, that stuff. And then um, I left her and went to another company and there I did bigger stuff. I did like big mansions. I did um, like 12 story buildings. And then um, after that, I, I fell into a uh, land surveying. It just, I enjoyed it more. So I went to work for a company that does a lot of utility work. So now I do natural gas pipeline. I do a lot of uh, mostly natural gas, but pretty much anything else that shows up um, from uh, electric lines, things like that. But um, yeah, I just fell in love with land surveying. So, and um, during the pandemic, I got tired of working from home. So Mm. I bought a landscaping company because they're always outside. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that happened. And uh, so I had to learn stuff. I had to learn all of the trees. I had to learn, you know, how often you have to fertilize and, how how to cut grass. I never pushed a lawnmower in my life. And now I have 23 employees and they push lawnmowers every day. Nice. I guess, how, how did you, um, what was it about? Uh, um, we're at 1.2 million in revenue. So I think the, my internet might've gone out recent. Okay. Yeah. Just going back to, to the point that you're just saying, like you bought you decided to buy a landscaping company through the pandemic just to get outside. Like what, um, what brought you in that direction? And like, so well, I want to with- stay in the construction industry basically. Mm. So I was looking at, um, things in the construction industry. I almost bought a paving company. Mm. I almost bought like, an uh, another engineering company. But the thing is the, 
prices weren't didn't make sense for like what they wanted versus how much revenue they were making, what their numbers look like. Mm-hmm. And the one that made the most sense to me was a landscaping company. So I was like, that's going to kind of in the construction field. So that's where yeah. I'm going to buy. So gotcha. it, that's you- how we ended up there. But I got tired of working from home. I can't I can't be indoors. I'm not an indoor cat. Right, right. <laughs> that that was one of the reasons even in reaching out to you, I was like in doing the podcast and, and wanting to reconnect with people. I'm like, I wonder what Patricia's up to. And like, just knowing that you're that person that has that bubbly personality. I was just like, it'd be good to see how, how you've landed on your feet or just kept going, going forward. It's been an interesting ride. That's for sure. This last two years. Hmm. So, but we've been doing good. I mean, for one year um, and two months in business, we were, we were already bidding big jobs. We got um, MGM on the, on the horizon. Um, Hopefully. And then, uh, what is it called? There's an, another uh, three other resorts that we're bidding on this just this week. So nice. it's good. I don't know anybody that's been in business one year that gets to do work for the MGM. Yeah. And I guess like you were saying, being a landscaping company or owning a landscaping company, that would mean you'd have like a long term or like at least you'd be doing their landscaping or maintenance for a year or so mm. that's really neat yeah so, we've been getting busy doing a lot of really cool projects hmm. we're building a, a artificial beach in somebody's backyard right now <laughs> i got guys working on that right now <laughs> yeah and that's that's in california no here in vegas in vegas gotcha you know oh, where wow. we have no water somebody right. wants a beach in their backyard hey <laughs> I, I mean if if you think about it it's like you could just pretty much make it up as you go. And it's like, what, I guess, what, can you kind of describe that process a little bit? Like from the person just calling you up and being like, Hey, I, can you guys do beaches? And you're like, sure. Like, we'll, we'll figure <laughs> it out. Like, what was that conversation? We already do like? her maintenance. So we have a relationship with this client. Hmm. We've been doing her house for a long time and she's remodeling everything. And she's decided to tear out um, the playground. She built a basketball court. She hmm. put a, uh palapa on a corner somewhere and now she's like well i want all of this to be a beach right by her pool and i'm like uh sand by the pool probably not a good idea right right (laughs) can we build a pond like an artificial um pond and then we can put the beach like that but so she has so much sand we couldn't even find sand you know that like people (laughs) in vegas they don't really build beaches right (laughs) i was was gonna say it's like I mean, Vegas is pretty much desert. I've been, I've been one time because I, I convinced myself that I was going to go. One of my challenges for myself getting a job out of college was like, okay, I want to do something that's kind of out of my comfort zone and like create experiences so that even if I don't feel like it, I'm more introverted. I I could stay indoors for a little bit, but after a while, it kind of just gets on you a little bit to where you're just like, I don't want to do this. Like, let me go, let me go see people. Like I was telling you earlier, just going to play disc golf for the first time and meeting some people that live here in Valdosta and just being able to kind of learn the game for the first time. I was like, oh yeah, this is fun. Like being not on the road for the last two weeks and coming back, it's, I went out to Vegas off of a timeshare and uh, the opportunity was like, you could stay at one of these resorts with like Holiday and Express. And I was like, it looked great, but I just didn't want to commit to something at that time, but just being out there, seeing what the desert looks like on the West coast versus like being over here on the East coast. It's wild. 
Like I was like, I didn't know tumbleweeds were real. And that's a thing. And like the colors that you have for like rocks and things like that. I'm used to seeing that now in the ground. Like that's what the dirt will look like, like the Georgia red clay and all that stuff. It's like, oh, okay. Like they just have it up there and we just have it (laughs) underground. For some reason, we just got flipped upside down completely. Yeah, it's interesting. I flew into Miami last week and I was like, I don't remember there being so many trees here. Like everything's mm. so green. Yeah. Do you go back and forth from the West to the East? Uh, Not that much, but I had a conference. I was giving a speech in, at Miami-Dade College last week. So mm. it was really nice experience um, talking to the women in engineering and kind of encouraging the youth to yeah. become engineers. <laughs> What's it feel like being on the other side where it's like now you go back to the colleges and you start talking to people like, do you see their eyes light up or like, are they interested or? Yeah. At the same time, like, I feel like they look at me like I'm so old. Like, <laughs> I was like, dude, nine years ago wasn't that long ago. <laughs> right. Right. But um, I love it. They they sent me a lot of emails and stuff saying how grateful they were and how, you know, motivated they were by me and inspired. It was just really, really nice to do that. And cool. um, a lot of them, you know, they, they could relate to my life because they're, they're also immigrants and Mm. you know they want to be engineers and they had so many questions about like getting their first job and you know things that we've already been through that yeah nobody really told us about yeah it's it's saving for retirement was the biggest one I talked to them about it was just like dude you got to do that right and I mean it, it sounds like you you've been able to do do that in a way or at least be on the right track for that being able to like buy a company or maintain relationships or established relationships where um, someone can actually sell you a company or you're in a position to be able to buy a company and be like, hey, like we're doing this much business in over a year or like in a period of a year. It's like things are things are going in the right direction. Yeah, it's just been really interesting. Right. I never thought I'd be doing landscaping, Mm -hmm. but I love it. I get to design people's yards and I get to watch them enjoy it at least for half an hour while uh, (laughs) giving them the tour. But it's just really nice to make such beautiful spaces for families, you know, to gather and do stuff together. I'm building a pool in my house right now. And I know that Mm. that's the purpose, right? I'm spending all that money on my on my house so that my family can enjoy it. Yeah. So I get to give that gift to other people. That's awesome. And I guess what what was it about? Was was that part of the the thing that drew you into wanting to do landscaping or like going with this company? Yeah, I really enjoy designing, especially when my designs have a purpose. Hmm. So that's why I like civil engineering, because everything you design has a purpose and will probably come to fruition. Like you don't design, you know, five five story buildings and they never build them. Right. (laughs) Unless they just table them for later. It's like, oh, what was that? What was that design again? And what's funny for you, like you mentioned doing um wanting to do structures i think i was also going in that same path but then going construction just to be like okay this is an opportunity to explore and then from there now doing soils um geotechnical engineering which is like okay this is what you get to see this bare piece of land or this forest before it becomes like an apartment complex or here's an extension to a hospital or here's like a a medical center or like a sheriff's office here's a power line structure. Here's like a substation that they're just going to put out here. It's like, huh, we literally nice. like, yeah. We get to contribute our grain of salt to society. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's funny because I had to look this up because I was out on one of these areas where they were getting ready to put in a substation, which is where like 
the power coming in from the power company or the not the power company. I mean, the power company owns the substation, but it's basically where it would leave where you generate the power. You mm-hmm. send it there and then they step the voltage down in order to send it out to your house. And you just see ant ant hills everywhere. And I was always wondering, like, why are these ants out here? And it's like, well, they're aerating the the soil. They make sure that all the nutrients that are there gets decomposed and kind of carried throughout. So they build these massive networks and mm-hmm. they're basically farming the soil, the, the soil. And I was like, oh, that's neat. <laughs> and like whenever you, you compare civil engineers to like little ants running around the country or different parts of the world, like building these systems that people use, it's like, that's pretty neat. Just don't step in an anthill, otherwise you get bit. <laughs> Yeah, that's the best part is we get to contribute and we get to see our work every single day. We can drive by it. It's just very rewarding. Yeah. And what's cool about it, working with a buddy of mine from college and seeing like he's working in an area where he pretty much grew up and seeing other people that grew up in this area and they're literally playing a hand in building up the places. So it's like, you've got, what is it? Like Dollar General seems to be like the next competitor to Walmart. And it's like, they just have more Dollar Generals than they have Walmarts. But like, you can usually tell the size of a town by like, if you've got two Walmarts, you're doing pretty good. Like if you've got one, you're you're not too bad either. But then it's like, if you got a big Walmart and you, you've got a neighborhood Walmart, it's like, oh, wow, like you're stepping up. And then you're even fancier if you've got a Publix and all these like people in the Midwest, they may have like a Myers or like that's that's the other thing about traveling. You just see different chains and things like that that people have. And it's like, huh, that's it's pretty neat. I, you walk in there, you kind of find what you need. And it's like, OK, this is this is the go to store for now. Yeah. So like Vegas, um, I don't, we look like a big city. Mm. We got like five Costco's. <laughs> but like there's no traffic here nobody lives i don't know they're always packed so i think people just come from out of town to come to costco i'm not sure mm. i <laughs> guess what yeah go ahead it doesn't make sense to me it's like we're not really that big of a town like when i lived in atlanta we had like two costco right i guess with with um with vegas is it just you have like las vegas there aren't any like smaller towns outside of it or it's like You've got a, a bit of a ways before you like you hit California by like an hour and a half or um, we had a couple of small towns like Pahrump. It's like mm. 30 minutes away, but there it's like middle of nowhere. Gotcha. You drive through there. They have like a couple of convenience stores, stuff like that. But mm. um, it's Vegas is, down here is just Vegas pretty much. Mm. Right, right. Basically. So um, I just uh, I love it because there's not a lot of traffic, but they have all the infrastructure of a giant city. Mm. That is neat. I think. That might have been the first time I rented a uh, any kind of rental. And it was like a pretty neat car. It, it may have been the one where it's like whenever you're not driving it, it, the engine kind of shuts off. And then once you go to hit the gas, it like starts up. And I was like, oh, that's fancy. Like I feel all special and whatnot. I bought an F-150 like that. I had to turn it off because it was freaking me out. I was like, oh, no, the car broke down. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, I mean, what what have been some of the things you kind of look forward to? this year like what what's been some of like the high points or low points or just like how have you kind of taken in all of 2022 oh 2022 has been a roller coaster it's been so much so um like i said we like we had we made a 1.2 million in revenue but last month i had a loss of 54k so last last month was rough yeah um but it's just hopefully all the payments that were supposed to come in last month came in this month so we'll be we'll be all right or at least breaking even 
happen, but we haven't made a profit yet. We're, we're, we're it's just growing and reinvesting and growing and reinvesting that we haven't made any money because in the middle of a pandemic, I had to buy nine trucks, seven trailers, hire, you know, all these people. And it was just a lot to do in one year. And when the trucks were the most expensive ever. So yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons we haven't made a profit, but we're still restructuring the business and trying to figure out the best way to do things. So it's been a very slow process. I think this year we've lost like 200K in the business, but we know we believe in the business. So, mm-hmm. and we know we can turn it around. We just need another like year to restructure everything, make everything. We have a plan to profitability yeah. basically, but until then we're like living off of our savings. That's <laughs> it's so hard, but, um, um, it's it's a blessing because engineering allowed me to be you know have accumulate enough wealth to where I can do that right you know and um, without having to tap into my 401k that's what like a lot of entrepreneurs are like oh I even invested my retirement money into this and you know we've done really well and engineering is such a good field that you can make money like that and not have to give up your your retirement right I guess what what's would you say the way you got into business is kind of the way you got into engineering where there are some things people didn't tell you. You're like, well, I wish I knew this, but now I'm kind of learning as, as I go. Oh, uh, yeah. Like how expensive payroll is. Mm. And it's every two weeks. I dread every, I dread payroll weeks. I, I was like, oh, my goodness. At the beginning, I was like, do we have enough money in the bank? Mm-hmm. But now now we're not to that point anymore. We've kind of passed that. So, but still, you just see all this money getting pulled out all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, you have 23 employees. I've never seen, that's one thing with owning a business. You see a lot of money moves, but yeah. really nothing's going on. You're just <laughs> moving money. You got to pay off the credit card. The credit card bill is way triple what I've ever, my credit, my highest credit card bill has ever been. Mm-hmm. The business just spend money. You yeah. got to spend money to make money. Now I understand what that means. Right. So, right. so I'm buying like $10,000 trees. But I have to install, I, you know, I get paid more than $10,000 to put them in, but yeah. it's just big numbers now. <laughs> right, right. That's that's funny because it's like you talk about somebody wanting a, a beach in the middle of the desert in Vegas. And now it's like you're bringing trees in and different things like that. It's like, I guess, has, has the climate out there changed any or it's like you just you kind of just go with the flow based on well, what you can make. The climate work. hasn't changed at all. Mm. If anything, it's gotten hotter. I think, gotcha. well, we had a pretty cool summer this year, but yeah, it's getting, it, I've only been here two years, but I feel yeah. like it's getting hotter. Gotcha. Um, Lake Mead is drying up and stuff. So, but we just make sure the trees get enough water and we mm. check on them all the time. And we, we make sure we install them really well. We had mm-hmm. to crane the trees in for this property to get, to get them their beach. We had to right. crane in palms and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Not yeah, yeah, really big mature trees. It's funny because I remember somebody, um, a friend of mine, is, is they were doing well and trying to get like palm trees planted in the middle of Atlanta or like kind of around like At- Atlanta is such a big area with the metro area and all that. And it's like, yeah, we're just going to get some palm trees back here and this. And it's like just kind of trading stories with their neighbors and trying to figure out like, okay, you got to make sure that you do this with it because it's got to take to the soil. And like, if it doesn't take, then you got to replant it. And I'm like, that's a lot, a lot to kind of think about, but it helps to have that kind of like vision where you're, you're going in and you're like, okay, like, this is what, this is what I want. And like, once it's done and you can see it, enjoy it. It's a good thing to have. Yeah. And the thing is, because I don't know everything about trees. I've only been in the business a year and two months. Mm -hmm. I hired talent, right? So like my, my install manager was, the, the manager at 
a nursery. So he knows all about the trees, how to treat them, how to take care of them, all that stuff. And he's been in landscaping for 30 years. And then my maintenance side, he was a a maintenance manager for a huge company here in town as well. So, and then my designer is one of the best at Structure Studios, which is the software we use to design our landscapes. I brought him from California. So he's moving in and um, he's starting this week, but he's been doing designs for me on the side for a couple months. I've been testing yeah. him out and he does great work. So it's kind of like that. You have to invest in the company by hiring talent. Yeah. So that's why we're not profitable, but I have a vision on where we could be. And yeah. that's the kind of the, the crew I need to, to make it to the next step. You know, we yeah. don't want to be a low end landscaping company. We want to provide, you know, quality and top notch, you know, designs. That's awesome. It, it's funny because as you're talking about it now, I kind of think back to the first job I had and it was working in landscaping with a family friend of mine and like now starting to think about things like business and seeing like what he's got to consider. Like we do, of course you do mowing of the grass and different things like that. But like you think about, okay, there's payroll and then there's um, how many clients you have to manage and like, okay, based on what the weather is doing, like out here, like during the the summertime or during when we get more rain, like you got to keep, okay, like make sure that you cut people's grass kind of at a decent range of time, because otherwise you'll get somebody's yard get too crazy. If they don't care about it that much, it might be okay. Or like if somebody wants the yard cut more frequently, you got to make sure you've got enough people to like maintain that so it actually looks like it's being upkept and then before winter comes you got to start mulching things or during the summer you got to put out hay and things like that different plants and flowers to, to put out there make sure you go back through and like weed eat and all of that so i can just imagine like all the fun of the ideas and the tasks that are kind of going through your head and what you've got to do to like keep it all mapped out and everything like that and i gotta keep the desert in one side and the oasis thing on the other side because some of my clients they want like rainforest in their backyard (laughs) (laughs) it's like come on you do know you're in vegas this isn't this isn't like water conservation that's for poor people that's what one of my clients told me i was like what wow (laughs) this is crazy i was like no no, it's the law i have to water. we can only water three times a week right now (laughs) because i guess what is it with with water being so spare out there especially since you don't get as much of it being in a desert like i've heard of stories like in california where they grow a lot of like the is it almonds or avocado trees where it's like those take so much water and like you see where i don't know if like you just see areas where they would cave in because like there's so much water not not there and like like sinkholes yeah sinkholes that's that's the word yeah it's crazy but um i don't know what california is planning because a lot of their water southern california's water comes through here so we're Mm. out of water they're really gonna be struggling right right but uh to them that's so far distance they open the faucet they always see water and they don't see the the hoover dam over here every week like we do we drive right by it all the time right you know right. or lake mead so it's just crazy but they're gonna have to get on the same plan as us and start conserving water and start desalinating um some of the water out there you know yeah i think that's just what what's, what's gonna have to happen because everybody needs water to live you can't farm without water you can't live without water yeah. And um, but we do have to make sure we take care of the ocean, too, because um, throwing all that brine in the ocean is not a good idea either. 
We're mm. going to make it a lot saltier and um, it's going to kill the fish. What What is so. brine? Brine is the byproduct when you desalinate water. Basically, you get um, salt water, about mm-hmm. you know, two gallons of water, mm-hmm. and they take out the salt from one side and pretty much pump it on the other gallon. So you mm. get one gallon of fresh water and one gallon of brine, mm. which is concentrated, basically, salt water. And gotcha. then they shoot that back into the ocean um, and they keep the so they keep the fresh water. Right. But we have to figure out something to do with this brine so we don't shoot it back into the ocean. Because then if you increase the solidity of the water, then the fish will die. Right. So right. you're creating something not, like the Dead Sea. Yeah. I think what we need, what we should do is send it back up north, you know, where all the we're in the poles, where the water, mm-hmm. the glaciers are melting and all that water is is not salty enough now. <laughs> Mm, it's an interesting <laughs> but that's an expensive plan nobody's right. gonna back me up on that but they've they've tried to do other things with the brine um i think berkshire hathaway figured out a way to make lithium out of brine so mm. um we could probably potentially make batteries from that but you need water to make batteries so i don't know how that's right. gonna work <laughs> and i guess that because when you mentioned batteries i guess there's been like a big talk about like chip shortages and people needing um i don't know if it's lithium or like you need a special type of metal to be able to make a lot of chips that go in computers smartphones things like that and working with an it's like engineering slash well environmental slash construction so like the environmental guys they'll they've got to be there to make sure that you don't disturb too many areas but like i forget what the number is but they had to move so much dirt and soil in order to get just like a a tiny little thing of this metal that they need to make um, computer chips and things like that and it's like man like you, you really don't think about all the work that goes into producing the convenient things that we have but it helps to have people that are always thinking about, okay, what's another way to do this so that you can create alternatives or just have other ways to circumvent or just be like, okay, like now we can go this way and really make it work for us. Yeah, that's it's crazy how much work sometimes. And we don't know how things that we use every day are made. We never really think about them. We just use them. Right. (laughs) My husband made toilet paper for the longest time and I had no idea how toilet paper was made. I used it every day of my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) I guess would you be able to tell people how toilet paper is made? Because I guess that that was like one of the hot topic things like when the pandemic kind of kicked off, they're like the toilet paper and the paper towels are gone. But I think somebody had narrowed it down to like, it looks like a lot more of it's gone just because it takes up so much more space. And for some reason, people get panicked and they're like, I don't want to run out of toilet paper and paper towels. Yeah, I think they they were buying faster than they could make them because usually they're People don't, not, everybody doesn't run to the store at once to buy toilet paper. They right. kind of spread out. So they have, they have a certain inventory they usually keep. Mm. And so when the surge came, they, they just couldn't make it fast enough. Gotcha. But um, the way my husband worked for Procter & Gamble and Clearwater Paper, mm. and they pretty much have the same process. They, um, they buy pulp. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends. They buy clean pulp. So you could buy recycled pulp, but mm-hmm. the... Um, the clean pulp is what they use here in the U.S. Right. Um, they put it in this giant machine mm-hmm. that I guess I don't know exactly what it does, but I think it like spins it really fast and turns yeah. the pulp into a paper and the paper gets rolled into this like two ton roll mm-hmm. and they move it from there to a converting machine. Mm-hmm. And the converting machine puts the cores in and, you know, wraps the toilet paper and slices it and puts mm-hmm. it in a nice, pretty package. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
it's That's, kind of interesting because on one end of the machine, these machines are really long. They're like more than than 30 foot half, more than a football field size yeah, kind of. Yeah. So you you have the roll over here and at the end you see what you see at the shelf. Mm-hmm. It's kind of so interesting everything that happens in between. But if you look at just at the beginning at the end, it's like it goes from a two ton roll to what you see on the shelf. <laughs> That's hilarious because it, it's like the second, I guess the second job that I had, which was like my first co-op or my main co-op in college was working as like a technician and then going to like going to paper mills and power plants. That's the word I was trying to think about power plants, taking the energy from there, sending them to the substation, but all is like the byproduct of what happens when you take trees and you chop them up and it makes this like, they're like little corn chips but then once you mix them in that that water it's it's almost it's what orange juice would look like the pulp that's in there if you want to compare that but we would all i would always see like the giant uh two ton things that um the two ton rolls of paper essentially before it goes to a site like that where they would make either toilet paper out of it and even knowing that some of the byproducts to making paper would be um, makeup, Mm -hmm. things like that, where you're like, oh, this is where this this comes from, or you would get some oils and and different things like that. And definitely, like you were saying, the recycled plants like that, or the recycled pulp, that stuff is nasty. Like, yeah, like if, if you even talk about just understanding what it takes to like recycle paper, I can't imagine what it takes to recycle plastics, but just being at one of those plants. And it was funny being this, like, maybe it feels like the whole month I've been back up in that area where they had one of those plants. And it was like, you can, all, you can always smell a paper mill from like a mile away. Almost like <laughs> yeah. you'd, you'd smell like a chicken coop. And like, when you go in there, they've got different dyes, or I think they call them liquors. So there's like a black liquor, a white liquor, and they each do like a different thing. They'll mix them up in those giant vats or storage tanks. And you don't want to get that stuff on you because it's like, it can burn your skin, if not burn like the clothing you wear things like that but it's pretty neat stuff yeah the pulp prices are going up like crazy because china is not using recycled pulp anymore they mm. want to be fancy like us what do you what do you mean be be fancy like what, the, what for are, the longest time they weren't focused on making quality toilet paper so mm. they were using recycled pulp to make their toilet papers gotcha. and in the last like two years they've decided they're not going to use recycled pulp anymore that they want fresh pulp they want to higher quality products now. Gotcha. So um, now the U.S. market is competing with the Chinese market to get fresh pulp. Mm. So pulp so prices no, no more two ply, no more two ply toilet paper like what you get in in the. Uh, yeah, we'll still get it, just more expensive. In the public, gotcha. <laughs> Man, it, that's hilarious because it's like it, it kind of it brings a lot of things home when you think about um, like world events because you, we're doing a lot of like trading. Um, of products and then we saw the benefits of doing things overseas or like the disadvantage of doing things overseas where it's like hey we need all of these um personal protective equipment for frontline workers or people in hospitals and it's like oh we can't get it because it's all manufactured in puerto rico and now they're having like their issues or hey this is all made in china and we can't get it because like the world's basically like secluded from each other and just seeing like where knowing where things come from or how things are made uh, is always one of the reasons why I, I like that show or like dirty jobs and 
being able to even talk with yourself and just being like, oh yeah, we did do that. And it's like, huh, okay. Like now I have a reason to go look into that. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a balance, I think, trying to figure out what we're going to make abroad because there are some things, some things we just can't make cheap enough in the US. So Yeah, well, it's it's interesting seeing some, I kept seeing this commercial and like I'm, I'm seeing different people make stuff back in the US again. Like maybe, what is it? Cars may not be the easiest thing to make, but I think like the drop off from the 80s with Ford, GM, Chrysler, like they probably won't make as big of a comeback as Toyota's made and things like the strides that they made during that time that we took off. But seeing something like soap, um, I keep seeing this commercial on YouTube. It's like Sasquatch or something like that. And they're like, they're talking about how a lot of um, soaps and detergents and things like that are basically what you'd use to wash dishes. And I think they call it Sasquatch or something. And like re- wanting to reach out to people to sponsor the podcast. And like you were saying, kind of learning how to run a business and knowing like, okay, you got to spend money to make money or like, what's a better approach to do this? Seeing them, it's like, okay, they are like soap, um, hygiene type products you could say for men. And they're like based in the U S they're doing this. Um, something else that I looked at was, um, like for supplements, Jocko, um, Willink, he's a former Navy SEAL. I don't know if it's Navy SEALs or Marines where they're just like once a Marine or once a SEAL, always a SEAL, but like he's got a company origin Maine, and they, they try to make all their things in-house They'll do like jujitsu geese or like mm-hmm. work boots, supplements and things like that. And they're trying to they're trying to like revive certain things. But to your point, like it's a it's a strange dance where you've got to figure out like what you still can make and then like what's not as easy to make. Yeah. Or what you'll get threatened for for trying to make. Like we're trying to make lithium batteries in the US and China's like, we will not buy any of your cars if you don't if you do that in-house. Because mm. they have huge lithium reserves and they want to make their money, I guess. Right. Like, right. Oh, we gotta think about ourselves too. I'm a big fan of Buy America. I'd rather pay more to buy American products, but unfortunately, yeah. like most American households can't afford to buy America. Yeah. So yeah. we got to think about those guys. They got to live too. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And and I mean, even kind of going back to like something like a, a Dollar General and Walmart, like, of course, you have people that look at the quality of products and like you see, OK, if you go to a Target, for instance, you see um, you might see similar products or it's like it might be the same, but maybe you get like a different type of person that shops here or shops there. But like to your point, everybody kind of needs something and being able to talk with um, someone that I met, um, Ambi. She does, um, what is it? She looks at um, survival items and she just pointed out to me, like, hey, here's some things that you can find from a Dollar General. Like, you don't have to start and just be like, okay, I'm preparing for the end of the world. It's like, no, you, you want to be prepared for like small things. Like, if you're driving on the side, if you're driving and you happen to have a flat tire, now you're on the side of the road and you don't know how to change your tire, your car tire. It's like, yes, you could call AAA or whatever car service it is but what what if they're just like like it happened to me they're like oh we don't run at this time and i'm like what do you mean it's eight o'clock at night you don't run and it's like i think my battery had died or something and it maybe took them three hours to send somebody out and i was like i'm in a major city i'm paying for the service for three years at that point and i was like it didn't help me when i needed it and it's like just kind of running through my mind and i'm like 
I don't feel too smart as an engineer if I don't know how to change a tire. And I found out the hard way, like you got to get up in there and make sure that you you don't press on your door, on your door frame and like crack your door from the bottom. But just learning small things like that and being able to see how different resources like a Walmart, a Dollar General, a Target, Publix can serve different groups of people and kind of actually understanding what's good for you or what can serve you for what you need. Like, of course, um, going to a gas station or something like that, it's like, you're not going to find any type of produce, but I've been learning like, okay, you can get nuts or you can get obviously water and, and different things like that, but maybe stay away from all the energy drinks that are just brightly colored and just being sold to you any minute or all the sugar in the candies and stuff. But I'm like, I'm slowly learning. And I think people are doing also a better job of like, using social media to inform people like, Hey, like you don't necessarily have to be vegan, but like, here's some healthier options. Or I saw something today. It was like hair loss may be tied to a lack of iron or like an iron deficiency in your diet. So like, here's a supplement you could do for that. And I was like, I never thought about that. Yeah. I don't know if I mentioned to you, but I used to own a salad dressing company. (laughs) How'd you do that? It happened by accident. Like a lot of things in my life. I just, oh, life just takes me where it goes and I just do don't tell. find it. I'm like, okay. Do tell. Was this pre-college or post-college? Uh, after, um, when I first had my son, um, mm-hmm. I was breastfeeding him and mm-hmm. uh, he had really bad colic and everything made him sick. So um, the doctor put me on a diet. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, it's whatever you're eating that's making your baby sick. Mm-hmm. So she put me on this diet. I couldn't eat onions or garlic or like cauliflower or um, artificial sweeteners, no dairy at mm. all um so i looked up and there's a low fodmap diet that like basically there's things on the shelf that you can look for basically the symbol that says low fodmap and then now you know it doesn't have garlic or onion or any of that stuff oh, so wow. um i was looking like for all salad those things dressing. fall into one yeah gotcha it, the fodmaps is kind of like an irritant to the to the stomach or um, to the intestines mm. so when you have low fods, that's it's good. So I bought, um, I had a friend who owned a salad dressing company that mm-hmm. was low FODMAP and he was yeah. going on business. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, well, send me some samples. And um, I liked them. They're, they tasted pretty good and mm-hmm. tasted way better than anything at Whole Foods. Yeah. So um, I bought the whole company and I started like selling it, marketing it, manufacturing it. He didn't have any stock. Mm-hmm. And I did that for like two years. But then I stopped breastfeeding and I felt like a hypocrite eating garlic and selling this this <laughs> thing that doesn't have any garlic in it. <laughs> so I sold it. <laughs> That's hilarious. But hey, I guess that that had to be a learning experience in order for you to go from there into now you've got landscaping. Yeah. So gotcha. uh, I, I quit. Well, shipping went up a lot. So that was mm. one of the reasons too. But I know at the same time, I was like, how can I sell these to people when I don't follow the diet anymore? Right. Like, right. As soon as I could eat, this is for like people who could never eat garlic. Mm. Like um, a lot of people who have IBS, mm-hmm. they have that? to live like that forever. And I just feel like, oh, I'm such a hypocrite. Like, how am I going to tell these people, you know, eat this and I'm eating this. <laughs> right. Right. What's IBS? Uh, irritable bowel syndrome. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. It's yeah. funny because I feel like, well, being fortunate to live with relatively good health, like I've, I don't know a lot of terms. So that's why I'm asking like, okay, what's that? Like I'm asking for clarity for me. I'm sure somebody listening will be like, oh yeah, I know what that is. But like, there's, it's like so many terminologies and terms and things like that. And 
before I would think like, oh, people are unhealthy. Like, of course, there's a um, obesity crisis that's been ongoing and like more people were affected during the pandemic from that word. Unfortunately, there wasn't like a big push to be like, hey, guys, like we need to get healthier. You need to be moving and things like that. But even for myself now, I'm looking at what I eat and I'm like, okay, there's this, like, let me read the nutritional label and like, understand, like, I don't know what that word is. Like, maybe let me go look it up or maybe I'll put that down. And even developing minor allergies, I I feel like they're, they're kind of passing, but just being more attentive to like, okay, don't eat this type of bread or don't eat like too much of this. Like, the part that you mentioned about like the garlic the onions like that would have never crossed my mind like i've been those things are hard for your body to process in general Mm. like have you noticed when you eat too much garlic you kind of burp up garlic and onion especially when you eat raw onion yeah it's just hard for your stomach to process in general but um it's harder for people who have ibs gotcha so it's funny I guess maybe I hadn't noticed it because I don't eat it as much recently, but growing up, like we kind of talked about being an immigrant earlier and like kind of having that same diet from where, what my mom cooked and being able to like visit from time to time and eat some of the foods. I'm like, it helps keeping that same palate where your stomach doesn't change as much, but now where you're it being in America, where you have so many different cultures and you talk about maybe for me, Cameroon being a country of like 20 million people and seeing that in size of the U S which is a country of like 300 plus million people. It's like, it's significant. And you've got a whole lot of different things introduced and it makes sense why you would have different like this like some people respond better with vegetables or other people respond better with meat like they'll do like an all meat diet people do an all vegetable diet and it's like you have other people kind of in between like maybe I'll eat this today maybe I'll eat that tomorrow and yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty neat yeah it is oh I don't have the same stomach anymore because when I go back home I get sick it's just part of part of the the vacation yeah so you have to plan that you'll be sick the first two or three days and then you get you get the rest the other seven days yeah you have to plan a 10-day trip so you can be sick a little bit where i guess where's home originally for you uh dominican republic oh nice i haven't been there yet but i'm like one of these days i'm i'm putting it on the calendar to be like okay i've been to been fortunate to visit jamaica puerto rico for work um not haiti yet but Belize. I think that's maybe the furthest out of the country I've been. And I've been back to my home country one time in 2015. And funny thing, like you're talking about being sick, like I was so nervous about it that I was eating very sparingly. And I was like, okay, I've got 10 days that I'll be in the country. We're traveling a good part of it. I keep, I'm going to, I'm not going to say, I keep telling myself, I am going to backtrack my steps and probably talk with my uncle and see like, okay, where exactly we went so I can get a map of Cameroon and like map it out and maybe like post pictures. Like you would do the the CSI thing where they're trying to like draw the strings and like, uh, okay, this, yeah. this was taken a, over here. Um, I have one of those scratch off maps. Mm. So I bought um, and then I, I scratch off every country. Well, every country is really hard because like I've been to so many countries in Europe and they're all so close together. Mm. So I'm just doing it like kind of region. Gotcha. So like, <laughs> so, is it like the map itself? You like you scratch off the area that you've been to? Yeah, and like it's all changes? gold. And when mm. you scratch it off, it's it's in color. Oh, so okay. you get to see um, you actually get to see the areas and stuff. So it's kind of cool. So that's how neat. kind of we've been planning our goals, trying to see what areas are left to scratch. 
Yeah. But I've been to China. I went to Australia. I've been to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I've been to like almost every country in Europe except Portugal and the Netherlands. Nice. Um, and a lot of the cu- countries on Eastern Europe I haven't been to yet. But mm-hmm. um, I went to Hungary and Turkey. Um, that's pretty much as far east as I've been. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. But um, went to uh, Peru. That mm-hmm. was really awesome. Mexico, uh, the Bahamas. I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get all seven continents first. Yeah. So I have yeah. Africa and Antarctica left. Nice. <laughs> it's funny. I, I spoke with my buddy Stephen. I met him when I worked in Puerto Rico with FEMA for like um, I guess what was technically five months, but more like a month, month and a half in at the start of 2020 before everything just kind of went left. But like he did a trip through South America at first, and then he ended up doing like a trip around the world, touching all the continents. And like, he's just telling me about, and I was like, wow, that's pretty neat. Like just planning that out, just being like, okay, I'm going to go this way and hit this thing and see that and see that. Like, what do you, what do you want to see? We stayed at hostels. I love, I love hostels. One, they're cheap night, and two, you make great friends. Yeah, yeah. So, I think the first one, the only one I've ever stayed at was in um in San Diego. And oh, I, I like, stayed at one too in San Diego yeah. at the what is it, Lantern District or something like that? Gas so. lamp district is it yeah, called? That might be it. Yeah, I think there's only one, and we probably stayed at the same place. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty neat because I, it's weird. Like on the one hand, I was like, like you. When you traveled, you and your husband both traveled together and stayed at the hostel. Because I guess for me, I was like, I was willing, I was able to do it on my own. But then it's like being in a relationship. I'm like, I don't know how this one's going to go. <laughs> it's fun, I think. Yeah. Um, it's, we usually try to book a private room, so, but yeah. so we still hang out like in the common areas with everybody. But gotcha. if they don't have that option, we'll share a room with six people. I don't care. We'll each yeah. sleep on our bunks. And But it's a lot of fun. You get to meet people from all over the world and listen to their stories and party together and hang out together. And yeah, yeah, it's just awesome. And then like cool. when you're in their country, you call them up and you're like, hey, I'm here. Let's hang out. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. It's funny. I hadn't thought about that. I feel like I'm, you're reminding me of a lot of different things things where I'm like, I have plenty now that I can put on the calendar for the next year and just be like, well, if I don't know, I can just ring up Patricia and just be like, Hey, what do you think about this place? Have you been here? Like, what do you suggest? Like foods and things like that. And now my thing's just been, um, discovering things in my backyard and just seeing, um, different areas in Georgia that are pretty neat, like finding this park this morning and being able to go there, not only like in playing Frisbee, I got to like walk the course with people that have actually played it and just hearing it be like dead silent. It's a nice warm day, like 75 and like a nice cool breeze is just blowing from time to time. I'm like, this is really nice. Like I haven't done this in a while, but I'm just going to enjoy today. Yeah. There's so many hidden gems just here here mm-hmm. so we're going to the spring reserve this weekend so i guess you have a mm-hmm. butterfly garden out there i haven't yeah. seen a butterfly in vegas before so i'm pretty excited <laughs> very cool i've seen uh scorpions mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of those <laughs> have you have you been to to phoenix arizona before no gotcha i've got it well, why they have a lot of scorpions there too no i'm, I'm gonna go there in november like like i was telling you earlier and um I'm just trying to think I'll plan on, on doing something probably like Saturday, Sunday, and then maybe something Monday morning. But I figure if I, if I just look up something or pick a local activity and just like enjoy that, that's the other thing I've I've enjoyed about traveling is like going there and actually kind of 
semi feel like you're living there or like enjoying it. Like you, you can kind of do like the touristy stuff, but like actually being able to spend a good part of the day on one activity or like few activities versus like trying to cram in a whole bunch of things like th- those are fun too. Don't get me wrong. But that's been a different experience. It's it's almost like, okay, you feel like you're not having to run from like one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. What we usually do is we book a bike tour. That's a couple mm. miles. Yeah. At least four or five miles. And you get your exercise for the day. You get yep. to see the town and you get to earn your food, your meals, right? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'm sure they've got to have, um, they definitely got to have a bike tour if they have um, all these scooters and everything. Have they made, have they made it out there to you guys? Yeah. they're usually pretty cheap. Mm. You can book the bike tour for like 35 bucks and stuff. And some, sometimes it's just a volunteer and then you can just make any um, donations you'd like, yeah. but it's really cool. Cause you get to see the town and you get to do your exercise for the day. And it's, it's a lot of fun. You get to meet new people. Right. Right. I guess um, they have this, they had this, I'm sure they probably still have it, but over in Chicago, you could do a kayak tour where it's like mm-hmm. an architecture tour. And with, with all the different type of architecture you see in Chicago, it's like you're on the water for about, I think it was three miles. And then when you go into downtown, they just, the guide usually makes sure that the boats, the bigger boats or the taxi boats that are going to cross that we don't get into their way because otherwise it's like, you're sitting there trying to to paddle and just be like, oh my God, oh my God. And I found out pretty quickly to be like, you got to paddle a certain way to where you keep the water, where the water is and not in your boat, in your canoe. (laughs) Yep. That water's cold though in Chicago. Yeah. Well, I think this was, this was summertime. So I kind of lucked out. Yeah. But it's pretty cold. I'm from Florida. I like that warm bath water. Gotcha. <laughs> that is funny. I couldn't even go swimming in California. The water was too cold. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing that like with California and just even Vegas, the thing that caught me off guard going there for the first time was like seeing how cold it gets during um, kind of close to this time, but also just at night. It's like it just it's like a switch just goes off and it's like, what's that? I thought this is just sunshine all the time, every day. Like there's cold out yeah, here. Yeah, the temperature is huge range. So you're like in the 80s, 90s, sometimes mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the middle afternoon and at night it's like 68. Mm, kind of reminds so you of Georgia, huh? <laughs> I love Georgia. The only thing I don't miss is the mosquitoes, mm. the gnats. <laughs> Definitely found plenty of those recently. It's like as soon as there's any type of water or early in the morning, it's like, oh, okay, they're they're out here. They're just ready to nip at you and get at you. And the snakes? When I lived in South Georgia, I saw a lot of snakes. I haven't seen any, luckily, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I don't. But I've started, um, I got this machete for my mom, but I don't think she wanted to use it because it was had like a curved end. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, maybe drawing this the wrong way. It's, you mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying. It's curved. But um, I feel like the ones that are just straighter seem to do what you need to do. Because if a snake's coming up on you, you might want to have enough distance. But someone was telling me, as long as you have a shovel or something to just kind of hit the ground as you're going, it kind of might scare them off a little bit, but also wearing your snake guards come in handy pretty well. Yeah. I use them when I hike in California. They have a lot of rattlesnakes Mm. and the hiking trails and stuff. So you have to be careful out there. Gotcha. But in the city, I haven't seen anything. Oh, coyotes might eat your dog, even in the city. Yeah. 
I have heard that. Uh, I haven't seen any here. Um, I did get chased by a mountain lion in California once. (laughs) (laughs) What was that like? Just running for your life? Yeah, we were surveying. That's what happens when you're a land surveyor. We're surveying on top of this like little hill. It's not really Mm -hmm. a mountain, but um, and uh, we opened this gate. We were surveying inside this gated area. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm walking back to the truck to get something. And all of a sudden I see this mountain lion. And of course, my instinct is to run. So I start running and it starts chasing me. Yeah. This instinct is probably like, knock me down and eat me. I don't know. So then I like ma- locked myself in the gate and he mm. was just standing there watching me. <laughs> like, I can't get in. What am I yeah. going to do? I guess. Did you, is there something else you're supposed to do in that case? Like not run or like. I don't know. I heard it, punch him in the nose. I'm not, I don't know. Or is that sharks? <laughs> It's one of those. It's like you've I've heard so many different stories from like people either. I know it's not a meme, but it was like a clip going around social where this guy, um, this um, black man, he's sitting on the backside of the truck. He's got his binoculars in his hand and this lioness, I think she just comes around the corner and she looks at him. He looks down at her and it's like, you don't know what happens next. It's just one of those like, oh, not where yeah. you want to be. Yeah, I know. I've heard like if you try to be bigger than them, but I'm like 4'10". There's no way I'm going to be bigger, So it's not going <laughs> to work out. Yeah, they're they're merciless, it seems like. But I, I guess with... with um, Owning the landscaping company right now, and you're still a landscape surveyor, right? Mm-hmm. Like being able to do both, like what what's that been like for you? Uh, exhausting. Mm-hmm. Running a company and working full time, it's exhausting. And having yeah. a two year old, mm-hmm. but we make it work. I get a lot of help from my husband. Yeah. Um, but. I really enjoy the land surveying side. I left it for 10 months and mm. I was missing it so much. There's just something so satisfying about, about land surveying for me. And it's a really good field to be in because there's not a lot of women in it. So mm. I'm like the only woman land surveyor in my in my office. Yeah. So I feel like I have to be an example, you know, to encourage other women to do it because it's a good it's a good career. It's very satisfying. It, it yeah. pays really well. I just don't understand why we're not in it. We need more women to do everything. We're awesome. At, we're just as good as the guys. Right. Well, I mean, also it helps with, to have your personality because it's like, um, I would think land surveyors, they're kind of, um, because you, you travel a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you've got to have that type of personality where it's like, you're, you can easily entertain yourself. Like you get along with other people pretty easily. And like, you don't mind the travel because like some people like you, like we were saying earlier, are kind of like homebodies or may want to be in an area where it's like, you know, what's going to be where and like just having to be like constantly on the move. Some, some, for some people, it gets like, gets to be a bit taxing. Yeah. If you like to hike, land surveying is a really good job. True. You get true. to hike places nobody else can go. Mm. So that's I what I enjoyed the most about it. I was like, I get paid to exercise. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. But I mean, even, even that perspective, it's like, that's a great perspective to have because it's like other people would look at it and just be like, oh, I have to do this. And it's like, okay, if, you, if you're coming at it with that, it's like, yeah, it's probably not for you. I don't even have to do squats. My butt looks awesome. <laughs> just go up the hill, up the hill. <laughs> Every day up the hill. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know why they like to put those survey monuments way at the top of a hill. <laughs> <laughs> Good reference point, I'm guessing. But I guess what, what's been, what is it about land surveying or like, what was it about? I feel like you already kind of answered this. Like, But I know you met somebody that did land surveying. 
And then just having the opportunity to like be outside and exercise with it and different things like that, see what other people don't get to see. Was that what really led you to fall in love with it? Yeah, I think it was a good, it's a good mix of being in the office and in the field and not mm-hmm. in the field. So I did everything. So I went out in the field, collected the data, and then I came in the office and did the design. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that because I'm not in the field all the time, right. but I'm not in the office all the time. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like construction, you're in the field all the time mm-hmm. and design, you're in the office all the time. Yeah, it's yeah, I, I definitely I definitely like that that balance because it's like you it, anything will kind of wear on you. But being able to like break it up from time to time, it's like, OK, like, oh, yeah, I get to go do this thing. And it's like, OK, sit down, write a report, do this. And then, oh, hey, what, we got something else coming on. Like, let's go. Let's go do that. And like just meeting all the different people you get to meet like do you work with a big team or do you interact with a lot of contractors yeah there's usually a contractor on site digging up whatever pipeline they're doing or Mm -hmm. building an msa or a substation yeah they they bring in you know the substations we do bring in like 36 inch natural gas lines and you know uh, depressurize it you know Mm -hmm. basically to a, a lower psi it yeah. comes in at a huge PSI and they lower as a PSI. So they have all these valves and stuff in there. And we, we help build that. We survey all that stuff. Yeah. So um, they map out the uh, every single weld on a pipeline in California is is mapped out on anything over four inches. Mm. It's GPS and it's in a map. They have like exact coordinates for yeah. every single weld. It's kind of really interesting approach to um, to minimize kind of any issues. They're right. doing a lot of hydro testing to make sure that, you know, if there's any leaks or anything that needs to be repaired. They're mm. doing a really good job out there at, at maintaining their pipeline. Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome to hear that like construction or just building design and things like that are implementing newer technologies, like being able to like track welds and digitally trace them to be like, okay, hey, this is here, this is there. Um, one question I was going to ask you when you mentioned like pipelines and like water testing and things like that. Have you ever heard of, um, um, is it water wishing? Like the, no. the thing where people use the metal rods to be able to find water or pipelines or different things like that. No, I haven't heard of that. I guess it, it's me. like this, it's this, um, I guess it's, it's a skill that people may have because usually to find anything underground, they use this ground penetrating radar. Mm-hmm. which you, you use different tools that can like pick up a signal or current on something that's metal or like um, PVC type pipe it might be plastic mm-hmm. or something like that. And usually it can only go so far, but for forever, it seems like people have been able to use this skill. You can't necessarily work to it, but other people kind of swear by it where they can say they can pick up the the current of water flow essentially by walking around in a field using two metal rods in both hands and they like loosely hold them and it's like apparently as they're supposed to walk in one direction or another it will kind of cross like the ends of the sticks so it's basically like you're holding a t like this Mm -hmm. in your hand and they would basically go one way or another so they would go across each other that's interesting i'm gonna google that yeah, I was you like that. the first time I heard about it, I thought it was a um, they were doing like a debunked series, kind of like Mythbusters. And I think they had mm-hmm. like um, they had this like whole piping system put out on this farm and they buried it. And then they took brought out all these guys that were like, oh, yeah, I'm a professional wisher or whatnot. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure there's a, a pipe over here or something. And then they were just like, "Nah, that's not right. So the verdict is still out on that, whether it's like 
yes, it works. No, it doesn't. But I was just curious if that's something you came across. No, we usually use like these little um, robots that we throw into the water or in mm-hmm. the pipeline and then it'll go through and you can track it has GPS. Well, geez, it seems like everything on the West Coast is like years in advance before we get it on the East Coast. You're like, I'm sure some people have it over here, but like I think I was telling you before, in something like in nuclear, it it seemed like a lot of areas where technology could be, it's not there. Or I'm sure it may be like a safety thing to just be like, okay, this has to get pre-approved and that before you just have robots climbing through pipes and things like that and just being like, oh yeah, yeah, this this guy's right here. Yeah. And I mean, in California, they have it so you can even detect leaks and stuff. They put like mm. these little robots, they have a name for them. And it's like a cute name, like a dog or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember exactly, but they throw them in there and they, they can detect leaks. They can like do all sorts of, uh, collect all sorts of data as they go through the pipeline. Yeah. Oh, that that's got to be definitely a lot better than putting someone at risk. Like I remember, well, obviously you can't fit someone in in like a piping system or something like that, but we used to use this little crawler system and basically it would crawl. It would have like a transducer on the back of it, which you used to measure metal mm-hmm. thickness and you would let it crawl on a paper machine or let it crawl up a tank. And it's like to tell you for the lining of the wall or around where the welds are, like how much of it it's is wearing down and then that would tell you like hey this is this is good for this amount of time or like for insurance purposes this would be about how much time you have left and then in other areas people would just start like some places would look like a um, swiss cheese basically because it's like they would just have to keep patching different areas in the tank and it's like yeah you're probably gonna have to replace this it's gonna cost you but it's like it's up to you like (laughs) you can either replace it or you could just keep patching it it up piece by piece but um that doesn't work in california they have really strict laws on their pipeline Mm. they were were constantly repairing things with new they don't just patch them up right because that that probably lends you in a lawsuit or something like that yeah probably i think they had an issue one time i think where something exploded or something i'm not sure it was before my time Mm. and um then they passed a bunch of laws restricting kind of how gas line gas well utility companies in general operate and then mm. I think after the fires too, because um, I think one of the biggest fires was caused by an electric line. I, can't remember. I should know the name of that fire. I lived in California when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Paradise. I don't know. Oh, the town that burned down was Paradise. Okay. I was going to say who you would name a fire Paradise. Like somebody's just looking for an ironic joke. <laughs> no, I think it was like in Paradise, a town like north of San Francisco or something. And the the fire was started by a utility line. So mm. now they have like really strict rules on maintenance and stuff around power lines and all this other stuff. Right. But so California probably has the best infrastructure, like the newest stuff utility wise. They're really strict. Right. Well, they're strict about everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I've heard. But um, I guess with everything that you do, do you keep like an online presence? Like, do you do social media and all that? Or do you do you try to keep away from that? I am a terrible millennial. I don't understand social media. I have Facebook, <laughs> but I haven't evolved to Instagram. But now Instagram is a thing of the past, right? Now yeah. it's TikTok. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even have a TikTok account. I have an Instagram account. I posted like three times. Gotcha. gotcha. I just need to be better at being a millennial. So that I got to work on that. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I mean, in some cases, I'd say you, you're probably doing better than most because it's like it's this that of thing that can kind of swallow you up in it. And I think the more time you've spent out of it, you've probably been able to do more for yourself and really achieve the things that you wanted to achieve in life to where it's like you don't get caught up in the rat race, so to speak, or just like, oh, I think what's, I have AD, what's that ADHD person doing? or whatever. I can't pay attention. So mm-hmm. like I can't be on social media because I get bored easily. Right, um, right. I tried Reddit and I mm. fell into this black hole of nothingness. I don't know, just the next <laughs> thing and the next thing. I, I looked up, it was three hours later. I was like, delete. Yeah, Never going yeah. back there again. <laughs> I think that's that's what I, I chose to do with TikTok because I was like, I I used it. Um, I think I, I downloaded Instagram trying to learn it and doing YouTube in order to do like the podcast and share it with people and just get better at learning how to promote stuff. But like TikTok was the new thing and like trying to figure that out. And I'm like, oh, I'll post on it. But then when you can go through the search feature and you just, all you do, you just swipe up, you get a, like a 10 second video, a minute video. And like, they just keep expanding the time. And it's like everything that you swipe on, it will get your attention. And it's like, oh, oh. And that's like, you're saying like an hour would just go by and it's like, this is a problem. Like I can't be doing this at home can't be doing this at work or I can't he's like I can't continue to do this and just be like man where has the time gone it's like I watch my TikTok on Facebook Mm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah they have been pretty good about like like repurposing videos and sharing them back and forth and I think somebody had sent me a TikTok video for like this whole one chip challenge that keeps going around and I was like I don't think I can see it since I don't have a TikTok account anymore. And I was just yesterday decided to click on the link and I was like, oh, I guess I can't see it like in the browser. And it's like, oh, hey, so-and-so is on TikTok. So join the thing. And I was like, no, it's okay, but I I can watch this. And it's this person was just having the time of their life. Like they took a bite of that chip and it just, it just kept getting worse and worse. Mm -hmm. The kids are in the background screaming like, daddy, show me your tongue. Like drink some milk. No, call the ambulance. Like what's going on? It's like, (laughs) it got worse in part two. And it's like, nah, I'm not falling for that joke again. Yeah. And that's what I've been seeing, but I, I just don't, I don't know. I, I don't get my news either from, from social media. I try to read my news. I'm kind of old school mm-hmm. that way. I like to read it, but we don't have newspapers. I actually ordered the New York Times mm-hmm. so they bring it to my house so I can actually read the newspaper. But then that was getting expensive. So mm-hmm. I just have the subscription now. Gotcha. Hey, look at you being an adult. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I don't know. I don't like um, social media and I really don't dislike reality TV. Mm-hmm. That's like torture. Yeah. If you want to put me in timeout, make me watch 15 minutes of reality TV. (laughs) I can't. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But um, one last question I'll ask you, just to circle back to when we first started. Are you still who you said you were? Yeah. I'm a lot of things. (laughs) I'm a mom. I'm an engineer, a landscaper. I'm a jack of all trades. Mm -hmm. And I love to learn. So whatever other trades I pick up along the way, I'll see whatever life takes me. I might own, I don't know, a pool company next. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, whatever the wind brings. But this is an awesome conversation, Patricia. It's so fun to catch up with you. And it's good to see that you're doing well in life and that life is doing right by you. Oh, good. It's good to hear from you again, too, and seeing how you're doing geotech work. That's amazing. Yeah, it's been a fun process. (laughs) All right, take care. You too.